0: It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston.
1: Welcome to the Front Stretch Race fans. Presented by Joe's Carding and Council Bluffs. Online at joescarding.com. Fast-paced, white-knuckle racing. All of it done indoors in a former carpet store. Once known as Joe's Carpet, now known as Joe's Carding. A lot more exciting things happen. I tell you, I, I've loved selling a lot of things over my day. I don't know if I'd ever want to be a carpet salesman.
0: I don't know. I've had pains uh, on carpet in my life. But, you know, I could probably figure out which carpet's the best, but I couldn't afford that one, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> carpet salesman always seems like the beginning of a movie of having the mundane, boring job. And then something exciting happens, like falls into a vat of gamma radiation and turns into some superhero or something. I don't know. But a carpet salesman just doesn't seem very exciting to me.
0: I could almost see them probably getting lumped in with the used car salesman myself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And again, it's probably a lot easier on the on the liver than being a liquor sales guy like like I am (laughs) liquor sales guy and computer repairman.
0: Yeah, well, whatever you did was going to be hard on your liver. You just get a discount
1: now. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, I hate it when you're that right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, before we get today's show kicked off, some terrible freaking news. Man, I hated seeing this. David Gilliland Racing uh, unfortunately lost one of their co-hauler drivers. Uh, He passed away on... Tuesday, what, Monday night, Tuesday, Tuesday morning. I think it was Tuesday morning. They were on their way to Phoenix from Longview, Texas, hauling their ARCA series car. It was the ARCA series trailer. Um, and Steve, they Stotts, were on their way
0: from North Carolina.
1: Well, it's this one. Oh, I'm happened. Longview, Texas. That's right. I'm sorry. It helps yeah. if I read the article. But Steve Stotts uh, was pronounced dead at uh, uh of the accidents i mean you hate to see that uh, uh fortunately passengers uh there was two passengers uh john and michael uh they're both they were both in stable condition as well as the driver that was involved in the accident uh all in stable condition but uh, our thoughts and prayers definitely go out to the uh, david gill racing family and friends of steven stotts who uh, again passed away Uh, because of an accident on their way to Phoenix uh, for an ARCA series event.
0: The update, the the two passengers were released. Okay. So, you know, uh, um, but like a tragedy, you know, but uh, glad the other two are okay. Yeah. Um, And we hear about the wrecks from time to time. There hasn't, I can't think of the last time there was a holler accident that was this bad, but the, uh, um, the hauler, actually, the, the tractor actually caught fire and, you know, burned halfway into the trailer and everything. Mm. So it was evidently quite a quite a crash.
1: Terrible stuff, terrible stuff. And, again, we sent our thoughts and prayers out uh, to all of those that are affected. Uh, we got some news early or, I guess, late last week on Thursday. Uh, so one week ago that uh, Tommy Etherton, driver of the 24T Sport Modified, had a tumor removed from his head uh, should hopefully fix. Uh, this is from his uh, fiance. Dang it. I should know that. I think, I think that's his fiance. I think they, the, they're engaged, but says um, we've kept this very quiet Tumor removed today. I and mean, again, that was on Thursday of last week, uh, March 3rd, should hopefully fix everything and be back better than ever. Hopefully see him at the racetrack in April. Thanks everyone for their prayers. And please keep them coming as we have a long road of recovery ahead. And, and I only know it was a tumor in his head because he's got a giant bandage on his head. But uh, very, very talented driver. He's always been good to us, and I've always enjoyed talking to him in the pits. So hopefully this is the, uh, the end of a uh, tough battle for him with that brain tumor, or at least tumor in his head. You assume it's a brain, but it could be, you know, eyes, ears, whatever. Uh, but, uh, hopefully everything is okay with them. Make sure to send your thoughts and prayers over to Tommy for a speedy recovery. And I can't wait to see him in victory lane. Uh, well, I think he's pr- probably one of the more talented drivers in our area.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of good young drivers, you know, mm-hmm. and he's definitely in that group. So, you know, with what they, it sounds like he's you know going to be back racing shortly. I, I find that real hard to believe when you've had your head cut open, but. You know, um, even if he has to sit out a year and he makes it back, it's still, you know, it's still on the positive side that he's still even with us.
1: Absolutely. Three sad stories in a row. I I swear it's going to get happier, but it it, it very well may not. But um, Junction Motor Speedway announced uh, Thursday morning, again, on March 3rd, there was a lot of news that came out on March 3rd. Junction Motor Speedway announced that they had canceled their 2022 race season after several health issues from Delmer Friesen. So we're sending our thoughts and prayers to Delmer follow through with this, because this this man needs to take a season off and just recover a little bit.
0: Well, um, this this lines up with that. It's got to be true because you couldn't make this up.
1: Right. If you made a movie, nobody would buy it. Nobody would believe it. On February 7th, Delves, Delmer says one of my bisons charged the gate. The gate crushed me, knocked me out. After a trip to the doctor, he said he that Delmer had one cracked rib. On February 9th, Delmer fell and cracked his head, resulting in a trip to the ER in Five Staples. After citing there was more going on, I was transported to Lincoln Hospital, where I underwent numerous tests, spent two weeks there, where I discovered that I had three broken ribs, kidney stones, liver damage, tested positive for COVID, which led to pneumonia, and finally, he was told he has cancer. It's a very treatable kind of cancer. But his body just needs time to heal. (laughs) That's a horrible couple of weeks for one person to deal with.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm not exactly sure how old he is, but, uh, um, you know, he's not a young man. Let's
1: just never met him. I think, I think I've had him on the show before. He was late 50s, early 60s.
0: You know, like I said, he's, he's he's not, he's not in his 40s or something like
1: that. He's no young buck anymore.
0: So, Healing is going to take time.
1: Absolutely. You know, Uh, you guys that there's a little bit of something coming over the next couple of days, whether it be an inch or a foot of snow, Hmm. it's anybody's guess, but the, yeah, the Beatrice spring nationals have been delayed one week. They're now going to be March 17th, 18th and 19th Uh, Beatrice speedway.com. For more information on that Beatrice speedway on Facebook, uh, get out there and support looks like weather next week's not going to be too bad. And, and it, it's promising for weather or for, uh, for racing.
0: Yeah. Just depending on, you know, the way this, uh, the storm that we're supposed to get starting we're recording on Wednesday evening. So starting mm-hmm. later tonight and going into Thursday, I mean, originally the Omaha council Bluffs area was a six to eight inch deal. Now we're like a, a one to three inch deal. And, um, the heavier part's supposed to be further south, so um, depending on how much snow they get, and I know it's supposed to warm back up real quick, so it it should melt away. Yeah, you know, except for what's in the shade, that that'll stick around. So you know, it could still be a mess.
1: We'll see what happens, but yeah, the Beatrice Spring Nationals at Beatrice Speedway. March 17th, 18th, and 19th, I believe the 17th, St. Patrick's Day is a practice day, and then 18th and Saturday, the 19th. I'm trying to get out there on the 19th. Tommy Denton uh, offered us tickets, so if if you want to go, just let me know which day you want to go, and I'll make sure you get on a a list or get you the tickets or whatever works. Cool. Uh, Once again, Beatrice Speedway on Facebook for more information on what's going on there. Uh, I think that does it for a majority of the news that happened over the last couple of days. Um, I just kind of want to just a little bit uh, there. We seem to be back in the phase again of multiple drivers failing pre-race or pre-qualifying inspection. This happens every single season. It always seems like it's worse this year, but Dirk, you've got an incredible memory and you've been around the sport for a very long time. Do you feel like we're seeing it more over the last couple of years and this year than more than previous years, or is this just something that people are, uh, are seeing now and, and thinking that today's the worst? No,
0: we're, what we're seeing is a new car. Every time they make major changes to the cars, we go through this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, um, it has cut down some because of the laser station. Um, if they'd have had the laser station back in 2000 and it was when they did the COT. Oh my God. That would have been crazy. Yeah. The cars going on the loop, but um, they just had templates. And so it was a little bit different deal, but and, and, uh, and let me
1: interrupt you there. Cause you ran the template station for the truck series in, in for NASCAR uh, when you were working for them and there was definitely ways to manipulate their truck to get through the template stations.
0: Oh, yeah, but the, the king of it was in Cup, and that was Chad Knauss.
1: <laughs> yes, he was. He
0: was. He absolutely was. I mean, that's why he. they actually sent him home from Daytona that one time. They'd been trying to figure out what he was doing for a long time, and one of the officials that was uh, uh, working the Cup race there at Daytona finally saw it, and, you know, and, uh, you know they were very, rather upset, so they set Chad down for a few races. I think it was still a year that Johnson won the title. Probably, but uh, at that time, that was a a really huge suspension and and everything that they went at. Actually, Chad made some comment about, well, we've been doing it for six years. We thought it was legal or something like
1: that. And and if you think uh, Chad is the first one to do it or or whoever's doing it today was the first one, you're you're sorely mistaken. I mean, there's my one of my favorite stories of NASCAR is the uh, the Jurassic Park car for uh, Jeff Gordon. And I believe that car debuted at the all-star race, right?
0: Yeah, that was a, pe- a special key scheme for the all-star race. I don't right. know if it raced anywhere else.
1: It did not. And the, the story that I saw was that um, Jeff Gordon basically licked the field and, and won the million dollars. And NASCAR tore that car apart. NASCAR, I believe to NASCAR's admission, they didn't find anything illegal according to the rule book, but they called Ray Evernham and said, you need to call your boss and let him know he needs a new car for next week at Charlotte because this car will never see the racetrack again. And they never gave that car back to, to Hendrick Motorsports, and they had to use a completely different car. And to my understanding, the rule book going into Charlotte got a lot more thick because they, they invented a bunch of rules because that car was built too perfect to win races that, that they didn't want that advantage to Hendrick Motorsports for several months until the other teams caught up.
0: Well, and and the advantage wasn't going to be to Hendricks. It was going to be to Jeff Gordon. Yeah. That's the only point at Hendricks that was going to have that advantage. And I'm, I'm, not, that.
1: I'm not asking this to disagree. I'm just asking this to simply learn something, but you don't think that Rick Hendrick would have said, okay, you guys got to share what you're doing with our other teams so we can get them caught up. And at worst, we have a second, third and fourth place finish along with your win.
0: Well, it would have, it would have been, uh, one one secret at a time
1: okay yeah they wouldn't have
0: the whole deal at once but that's not the only car they they impounded one of tony stewart's cars when he was with jgr one time they took the whole car he went through the call of qualifying once and they just took it away from him and get your backup out this one's so messed up you can't even have it back that was in like 2003 i want to say i was still officiating when that one happened um but yeah you know it's not the first time to happen, and You know, it will. I don't think that'll happen again just because of the laser station and the way the bodies are designed. now. But uh, the
1: the fact that it again, you know, we talked about this pre covid and I I assume it's the same way. But you know what they say about assuming. But teams are allowed to take their cars. I believe it's Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday down to there. They can schedule times with NASCAR to go down to the R&D Center in Concord, North Carolina. And run their new cars, run their whatever they're doing, run it through this the, the scanning station and see if it will pass. And work oh, they, with they NASCAR officials. Inspection.
0: They can run a whole tech inspection if they want.
1: Yeah. So when teams show up with these new things they're trying to do to their car to get a tenth, a half a tenth advantage on the rest of the field and they fail tech inspection three or four times i just think it, think it's important to point out that that's not nascar's fault nascar has set up the rules they're established and teams are able to work with nascar to see if their cars fa- are, are pass inspection well before race weekend but as a crew chief that trying something new I don't necessarily want to turn to the R&D center and say, let's run this through and then give NASCAR an advance notice on what we're doing to see if maybe they change the rules on me. Am I making any sense there? Well, you're making sense. In the
0: same token, they can't bring a car that they know flat. No is illegal. That can't be very quickly put back to legal at the track. Right. And that's what they're doing They're They're so far out of bounds, especially, if it taken them four times, you know, to go through tech, Mm -hmm. if they can't pass it the second time, it's something they shouldn't be trying. They should take down to the R and D, you know, and say, look, just be honest. This is what we're trying. Is this okay? And NASCAR is going to look at it and say
1: yes or no. And again, it's that simple. Yeah. And the reason why we're bringing this up is because Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick were among five teams that had crew members ejected. And lost pit selection for pre qualifying uh, inspection for failing pre qualifying inspection multiple times ahead of Sunday's, uh, well, what would have been last Sunday's race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. When you've got two top tier teams, and I say Chase Elliott is probably one of the top drivers right now, uh, Kevin Harvick has kind of hit some hard times with his four car and, and Stuart Haas racing, but uh, he's still a big name in this sport. He car- those two carried the banner for, for the drivers that, that lost uh, crew members and in, in, in saw some infractions. They also included the 21 of the Wood Brothers, uh, Harrison Burton, the 38 of Front Row Motorsports, Todd Gilliland, the 77 of Spire Motorsports, and Josh Balicki. Uh, those were the five teams that lost crew members and faced infractions from NASCAR for failing inspection multiple times.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's that's something that's never going to end. You know, guys are going to do stuff, but so much of it right now. um, I'll be surprised how many we see it at Phoenix. Um, Phoenix isn't as big a arrow track as the mile and a half and the two mile at California.
1: And I thank you for bringing that point up because I think it's important for people to note this. When we're talking an arrow dependent track, that's where the teams are having the most issues. I think it's safe to predict that this coming Sunday, we're going to have a lot fewer issues with teams passing pre-race or pre-qualifying inspection.
0: Well, yeah, I'll be, I'll be very surprised that there's five teams. If there's yeah. one or two, somebody tried something, but
1: yeah.
0: you know, if there's five, you know, we get to another mile and a half in a couple of weeks, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to see four or five again.
1: All right. Moving forward. Buena Vista Raceway announced their 2022 race schedule. Their season is going to kick off. June first, it's going to continue weekly with a couple of breaks here and there uh, until August twenty fourth, and they race on Wednesday nights. Dirk, that's one of them. We, I got to get out there. I've got to get out there one of those nights to go watch that uh, racing out there. You said you had a hell of a time when you went out.
0: Yeah, I had a good time. Well, I don't, I don't believe you ever went to Sunset Speedway,
1: did you? No, I was not uh, a race fan while Sunset was open.
0: Yeah, this will be the uh, this will be the closest thing that I've ever been to in the area that's like sunset. Mm-hmm. So, you'll go there, and uh, you know that's the type of racing it's going to be. You know, more of a paperclip. You know, kind of the dirt version of Martinsville, so to speak. But uh, long straightaways, tight corners.
1: There's quite a few nights that are noteworthy of going. Again, June first is our season opener. That's going to be IMCA racing and featuring the three hundred five sprint cars. June 15th, again, these are Wednesday dates, uh, Jimmy Squibb Memorial, June 22nd, IMCA and 305 Sprint Cars. Then on Tuesday, June 28th, Kyle Sutter Memorial Race in the Midwest Madness Tour. Then we've got the Sport Mod Mania on July 13th, 305 Sprints are going to join the IMCA sanctioned classes on July 27th, and then they'll be back again August 10th and August 17th with 305s and IMCA sprint cars again. I missed June third. Uh, excuse me, August third. That's an IMCA night, and then the uh, season championship night is going to be August twenty fourth. So action packed night. Not a lot of, um, not a long thick schedule, but one that is very manageable, especially when you're talking about Wednesday night racing.
0: Correct. And like I said, they run uh, the IMCA show with no late models and no sprint cars.
1: Right. And that's uh Buena Vista Raceway or known as the Beaver Wednesday night racing. Get out there BuenaVistaRaceway.com for more information on that. All right. Let's talk about Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, Dirk, uh, quick thoughts on that race uh, at Las Vegas.
0: Um, let's see. Kyle Busch regressed and became the little whiner Kyle Busch that he used to be. He hadn't
1: done that in a while. That but, was my uh, fault. He- that was not my fault.
0: No, no, he really showed up this week.
1: He didn't have too bad of a day. Finished ninth in stage one, fifth in stage two, and fourth place overall on the day. Uh, But he did have a bit of a roller coaster day and and just not the kind of a day he liked.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he got, uh, um, let's see, who was it? Chase Briscoe, I think he got mad at. He got mad at uh, Alex Bowman. Um, you know, he, he got mad at several people and he hasn't mm-hmm. hasn't been like that for a while. And of course, he's from Vegas, so it was his home track, and he thought he could have won. And if he hadn't crashed his primary car,
1: he might have won. He might have. You know, and, he came and, from dead last. He has not had a very Kyle Bush season and a half or season and three races, really. I mean, last year was just a very rough year for him. Uh, and I'm not playing the fiddle and saying, oh, poor Kyle Busch. He he makes his own fate, and and we know that that he can get very frustrated when he's not having the season up to his par, but he's had a very off time for, for what we can expect out of Kyle Busch.
0: Well, last year, he just flat said, he goes, when I don't have any practice and I can't tweak the car, he goes, I'm not good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, he goes, you look at the way I come off. He goes, very seldom do I say we were fast when we unloaded. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, that's just not our forte. Our forte is making adjustments to go fast. Well, now that he's getting a little bit of practice time, he's been fast. He was fast at California until he had, uh, you know, had a little bit of tire issue at the beginning of the race and, you know, got himself way, way behind, you know, then he had an overheating issue. Um, you know, and, uh, but last week, you know, he, uh, he backed it into the wall and, um tore the car up pretty good they said that Mm -hmm. you know it just they they talked about fixing the car so he could keep his qualifying spot but he said uh or his crew chief said that it was too damaged to be a safe car if they fixed it
1: yeah it looked pretty beat up from the pictures
0: i saw so they decided not to fix it and took out the backup car and then spent hours evidently taking all the suspension and everything else that wasn't damaged off the primary car and putting it on that car and
1: Uh, Yeah, and it was Martin Truex Jr.'s car, wasn't it? I I think when it rolled off the trailer, it had Martin Truex Jr.'s uh, name on the back window.
0: Hmm, that could be. It was a dark-colored car. It it didn't have a wrap on it.
1: Yeah, it didn't have anything on it.
0: Yeah, (laughs) so I mean. It's just Martin
1: Truex Jr.'s sticker on the back window.
0: Well, it could have been one of Martin Truex, you know, back windows, you know, as far as that goes. But, you know, they'd done a a couple races out west, so they took you know, a couple different cars out actually to California and then came back to Vegas and uh instead of doing transporters like they always did before, you know, they were trying to get get through two races with two cars. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, but uh yeah, it was it, a, mess, a mess for Kyle. I looked up several times while while bartending and and I was in intrigued at what I saw. It looked like we saw some nice wide racing, which is very refreshing for, for uh mile and a half and two mile tracks it, it, did i just see a, a picture of a, of a larger picture that doesn't convey what actually happened
0: well you saw when they would be four wide off the restarts and stuff you know and there was maybe a, a second lap after a restart where they would be like that but they they went uh very early in the race i think they went re- three restarts in a row with a spin or a crash mm-hmm. you know the cautions breed caution situation um but during the actual race and it got thinned out enough, there wasn't a whole lot of three or four wide racing. Yeah. Um, just, just cause the field thinned out, but there was passing. Um, uh, there were guys that were real fast at times. Ross Chastain got out in that clean air and was really fast for a while. And, uh, uh
1: Ross had a very good day. Third in stage one, one stage two and finished third on the day. Good, good move. A good run for him.
0: Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, when you go back to the to finishing up there, that was another thing that, that Kyle was upset about is they had that caution. Um, uh, if the caution would have happened one lap later, Kyle wins the race.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and then he got kind of shuffled to the back and kind of got screwed. And that was another one of his whiny deals. But Ross was fast. Kyle Bush was fast at times. Um, there were a couple guys with long run cars, a couple guys with short run cars. Uh, you saw different strategies, people trying no tires, two tires and whatnot. There was, I think it was right at the end of the first stage. Um, a bunch of guys came in and pitted and the guy, some guys stayed out and, uh, I don't know, they had like six laps to run or something. I, Kurt Bush was like, I think he was on the pole there for, for that spot. And I, I don't know if he stayed in the top 20, so he dropped like a rock. There were a couple of guys. I think Chris Buescher was one that tried it and uh, he went backwards very fast. Um, but uh, there was a lot of racing. They had a lot of passes, you know, several different leaders. Uh, a lot of guys bouncing them off the wall. The bodies held together on the wall, but they are breaking those rear end parts. Why they call that thing a tie rod end in the rear end. I really don't know, but, you know, it's a, it, it makes adjustment, but a tie rod end is with your steering, and, and it wasn't hooked to the steering wheel. So, but that's the term they use for it. Um, I would have called it more of a stabilizer link or something. Yeah. But, uh,
1: well, let, let's uh let's get back to the race. I, I saw a picture of a friend of mine that that took a picture of his TV, and and kind of painted a little bit of a picture. And I want to get your thoughts on this. 40 laps left to go in the race at Las Vegas. This was your current top 10, not necessarily in the running order. Kyle Busch started 37th. Again, these are all top 10 drivers as of 40 laps to go in the race. Kyle Busch started 37th. Ross Chastain started 16th. Martin Truex Jr. started 12th. Uh, Alex Bowman started 11th. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. started 7th. Ty Dillon started 28th. Daniel Hemrick, 34th. William Byron, 14th, Tyler Reddick, 35th, and Kevin Harvick, 23rd. My question to you, Dirk, is we talked about this, I think, last week or the week before. I'm seeing a lot of drivers up in the top 10 that we don't normally see up there. Well,
0: you see a lot of those drivers in the top 10, but you don't see them normally from starting, you know, 30th on back like that. You don't normally see three or four guys in the top 10 right towards the end of the race. You know that's what you don't see. You always see Harvick, you see Kyle Busch, Tyler Reddick is a hit and miss. Mm-hmm. You know there's a couple of those guys. You know, Hemrick hasn't raced enough up there to say he can't be in the top 10. Um Ross Chattain's going to be a top 10 guy. He's going to be a star in this deal.
1: That, isn't that kid talented? I love watching that guy race.
0: He 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 can drive. He can yeah, wheel it. Same with Tyler Reddick. You know, they can both wheel a race car.
1: I'm excited um, about what I'm seeing. So far this season, because it, I'm seeing some different characters up front and consistently up front.
0: Well, just say it like this, okay? There's been three races, Daytona, California, and now Vegas. So there's been a possibility of 30 different people in the top 10, and there's been 25. You got to go back over uh, 49 years. You got to go back to 1973 to find that stat.
1: Wow. That's crazy. All right. And I
0: think Eric Almirola is the only guy that's been in the uh, – he's got three of those five spots. I think he's the only guy that's been in the top ten three times.
1: Huh. And Eric had a really really good run of top tens last year too, right? Yeah, but I,
0: I think it was a little later in the season.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Might be seeing something put together for that team. Alex Bowman ends up getting the win over Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain, Kyle Busch. And William Byron, that was your top five, top ten, rounded out as Eric Amarola, Tyler Reddick, Martin Truex Jr., Chase Elliott, and Christopher Bell. Bad days, Daniel Suarez finished tailing Charlie at 37th. Daniel, uh, excuse me, Ryan Blaney, 36th. Chase Briscoe, 35th. Denny Hamlin, 32nd. Well, he is not having a good start to the year, is he?
0: Well, he lost his power steering early in the race, and um, then he said later that he just made a driver error. you know, ended up
1: in the wall, Eric Jones, 31st, Mm, Brad Kislowski, 24th. And I think that's probably about that. Uh, My favorite thing that came out of the weekend, obviously happy for Alex Bowman, picking up the win. And uh, what was the quote from Kyle Busch? Um, The guy who backs into all of his wins backed into another one.
0: Yeah. So I talked about him being real lucky and how he backed yeah. into another win. And <laughs> so he went out Still, and made a t-shirt.
1: <laughs> so this, this is how you throw something back at somebody. I, I think those young kids call it throwing shade. Okay. I'm, I'm a cool hip guy. Alex Bowman goes out and makes a t-shirt. That's got the uh, Las Vegas, Nevada uh, sign, you know, that famous sign that says Alex Bowman, all luck, no skill. And Alex tweeted out and said, family sport friendly. 18% of the proceeds are going back into the animal shelter near you. So get yourself an Alex Bowman. All luck, no skill t-shirt. I absolutely love this. That that's a guy that knows how to how to turn something and just say, you know what, you're gonna make fun of me for picking up the win and and you know, take pot shots at me for the way I do it. I'm gonna make a t-shirt out of it. I'm gonna to donate to the animal shelter. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, at least he's putting the money to good use. And, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, a little bit of a marketing plug yeah. there for himself. So
1: that's, it's absolutely brilliant. I love the idea. In fact, I'm probably going to get myself one because I'm a big uh, uh, animal fan. So I'll, I'll definitely get one. Uh, Are all right. You like animals? <sighs> a little bit. <laughs> this weekend at Phoenix, uh, much different racetrack. Short little racetrack redesigned over the last couple of years. Uh, Dirk question to you. Are you putting any, any emphasis, any thought on taking the uh, four car for Sunday's race at Phoenix?
0: Uh, not right now. Um, I'll wait and see what they do with practice. Maybe where he qualifies, but uh, if you made me do it right now, you know, if you said you got to, you got to decide right now, are you going to use the four car? I just say, no.
1: Yeah. it's I, I, I wouldn't bet anything on the four car. He, he has been absolutely dominant. Uh, He was dominant for several years at Phoenix. I think the rest of the field has caught up to him. He has lost his edge. Uh, Him and Rodney Childress had something going on. Uh, I, I just think that what, what was going on with that four car at Phoenix is, is no more. All right. Picks for Sunday's race at Phoenix International Raceway do uh, wait Phoenix Raceway now uh, due by two thirty central time green flag waves just shortly after there. If you happen to get your pick in late, you can always email it to me as long as the green flag has not dropped for the start of the race. And that goes for future races if the race gets delayed an hour or two. Maybe they're out there doing their warm up laps and then the rain comes and they got to delay it. As long as they have not taken the green flag to begin counting lap number one, you can get your picks into me and you can email them frontstretchradio at gmail.com. Uh, shocker here, Kyle Larson is the favorite to win Sunday's race at Phoenix. And that brings me to my next question. Who'd you take Sunday at Las Vegas?
0: I took Chase Briscoe.
1: Okay. Ooh, not a good day. Yeah.
0: Didn't end up, I mean, I think he was—I uh, don't know—eighth, ninth, or tenth, or something. I think in the first stage he was towards eighth. the back of it. Eighth, where he ended up. Okay, he actually had uh, a decent car. I think he qualified a little better than he was going to race, but he was a top ten car.
1: Yeah. And eighth, uh, eighth in stage one, uh, outside the top ten in stage two, finished thirty fifth on the day, five total points.
0: Yeah, he had, he ended up in a in a crash that was a little bit of his doing a little bit, not of his doing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, not a bad day, but I really couldn't complain about it. I mean, I haven't started off like a ball of fire. Um, I had Kyle Blish at California, like a lot of people, you know, and, uh, I'm picking cars that are starting up front, but are just in and up in the back real quick. Yeah. And, and,
1: you know, it can turn around on a dime. You know, you saw it happen the opposite way last year where, you know, you, you were looking like you were going to finish in the top three or four and then just bad luck after bad luck. You, you ended up finishing or starting the playoffs outside of the top 16.
0: Well, so not starting the playoffs is what the right. mom would do. Right. But no, I just, last year, I missed the first Pocono race. I had the time wrong all oh, my mm-hmm. own fault. You know, I go to turn the TV on and, you know, I'm figuring I'm going to make my pick and I'm looking at the TV and I'm going what do you mean the 15th or 16th lap? I don't remember, you know, (laughs) and I'm going, damn, you know, I I thought that was the uh, central time I was looking at, but it was Eastern time. So
1: you were an hour Um, late.
0: And I mean, I still stayed, even when I completely missed that race and didn't get a pick, I was still like 13th or 12th or something. Yeah. But that just started me. Then the the other Pocono race, I, I stayed about the same spot, but, After that, I just dropped, I think in the next five races, I was dropping like five spots a race. I ended up like 40th or 38th or something like that. And, uh, yeah, it was just, that's just what happened. I'm like continuing that. I'm like Kyle Larson right now. Kyle Larson kicked butt at the end of last year and now he's kicking butt at the start of this year. And, uh, you know, I'm just on the opposite end of what he's doing. So,
1: Hey, do you know why Kyle Larson didn't win the race at at Las Vegas?
0: yes I do I, I read your post
1: I took him so that I got I'm, I'm I'm glancing up looking at the end of that race and I'm like oh I got a shot oh wait no I that's it happened again <laughs> I mean, well, I'll take second place it was 48 points I'm happy with it but if I hadn't have picked Kyle Larson, he'd have won that race on Sunday
0: yeah and then he gets told he's got to do a pass-through penalty and then yellow comes out because <laughs> he did not lap down yeah you know, and then you'd have been in trouble, mm. but they went, their yellow seemed to go on streak. So he'd have probably ended up getting a lucky dog, and getting his yellow, you know, getting his lap back, but he would have been in the back instead of just staying up front, you know, but that's, you know, that's what happens in racing, you know, yeah.
1: Is that, is that where the golden horseshoe is right now? It's with the five car.
0: Oh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if he would got it in his shorts when he climbs <laughs> in the car, <laughs>
1: All right, I think that's going to do it for us in turn number one. Don't forget, uh, get your uh, picks in on time for the Rick Haven Ridge Pick'em's Contest. This weekend's race, Phoenix Raceway, the roof mortgage 500K at Phoenix. Race uh, picks close at 2.30 Central Time on Sunday. Get your picks out on time if you happen to miss it by a couple of minutes. As long as the green flag hasn't waved, you can always get your picks in, Rick, uh, or to uh, radio at gmail.com. The only other thing we got left to cover before we move into turn dimmer two and talk with Jackson Sadoff is the World of Wheels Car Show interviews. Uh, actually, so far, very happy with the way this is working out. Uh, we have been criticized over the years of only giving the spotlight to the big name drivers. And to a certain extent, yes, that's right. Because um, as much as we're in the business of talking racing and, and, and entertaining people, we're also in the business of ratings. I think we've talked about this before. And somebody like Jack Dover, Shaley Bain, Tad Pospetial, Alex, uh, excuse me, Andrew Kozinski, uh, they move the needle. We get interviews, we get big listens off of those drivers. And listens turn into sponsorship dollars, which turns into actually making the show profitable. Um, so I'll give you that, that sometimes we do get to be a little bit too uh, big driver friendly. It uh, and, and take a little bit too care of those drivers. So the World of Wheels Car Show going to be happening April first, second, and third. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, at uh, the CHI Center downtown. Actually, it's not the CHI Center anymore, is it? Uh, I think it's still. Is. No, it's the CHI Center. I'm sorry. It, it boy, boy, I'm just flashing back to a few years ago when it was the CenturyLink or the uh, whatever the hell it's been over the last fifteen years. Um, but anyways, uh, so those interviews were uh, you uh, talk to me about this right now, because I, I think we're taking we're not doing any interviews on Friday, right?
0: Well, you're the one that's got the schedule with uh, um, uh, I-80 Speedway Racing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So when we've, we,
0: we've never done the interviews on Friday, we use Friday as a setup day. Right. You know, we get in there and get set up and they actually open the show Friday night. And then normally we're there bright and early on Saturday and do usually try and get about 20 or 22, 24 interviews scheduled. Yep. And, uh, you know, we, uh, end up, you know, a few cancel out or don't show up or whatever, but we've always gotten about 20 interviews on Saturday. Well, the first year, no, the second year we had the booth, um, we had the machine shop or not the machine shop, the body shop right behind us and the
1: band around the corner. Oh my God. I forgot all about that day. You know, that was, was the
0: first year, the first year we were down in Tuffy's booth. Right. It was kind of a makeshift deal at the last minute. We went down for Saturday and, and did a bunch of interviews. And, uh, then we actually had our first booth the following year and we got set right by those. But the last two years, we've been far enough away from the band that we can do our own thing. And last year we had the celebrities stopping by. We had, uh, Lou, Lou Ferrigno stop by and we and uh, Dave Kindig stop by and, you know, so, uh. And, of course, uh, Doc Riley come by and talked with us for yep. a little bit when we were doing all our setup, and um, we've made a pretty good well, friend in him, I think.
1: So, God, you got a friend in me. Just popped into my head. Uh, <laughs> so, we're going to be doing interviews at the World of Wheels Car Show on Saturday, April 2nd, and Sunday, April 3rd. The plan right now is on Saturday, we're going to get started at 10 a.m., and we're going to go to about 2-ish. That gives me time, us time to get closed down cleaned up, and then out to I-80 Speedway for Saturday night's uh, spring meltdown. Then Sunday, we're going to be back again, 10 a.m., and then we were talking about maybe going until like 4 or 5?
0: Correct. Yeah, I I, I figure if we go till 4, because we'll have enough stuff to tear down and whatnot, that, uh, um, you know, if we go till 4, if we can do 3 an hour uh, Mm -hmm. for 6 hours, that'll be 18 on Sunday, and if we can do the same thing the day before, we'll get another 12. So that gives us 30 interviews, which is about where we end up. Normally our Sunday is a little shorter, but normally we don't have a race going on. They, you know, the, the show's two or three weeks later than it normally right.
1: is. Right. So we got some logistic issues to work out, but we're working on that. The big thing that we're trying this time is, you know, in the past, we have reached out to big name drivers and said, Hey, Jack Dover, come do an interview with us. Hey, Andrew Kaczynski, go come do an interview with Kyle Burke, uh, you know, uh, whoever, we've reached out to big time drivers and said, come sit down with us and do an interview. This year, we're not, I'm not doing that. We are letting you come to us and say, I want to do an interview on the front stretch. Here's the reason why I'd be a good interview. Please book me. And then we'll get, I will get back to you and and we'll book a time for you. And like I, I posted on my personal page and shared it out and said, we're doing things a little bit different this year. If, if you're a driver, if you're a crew member, if you're a racetrack owner, if you're a promoter, if you're a series whatever, let me know. And, and we'll get you on the show. We'll get you scheduled during the world of wheels car show. So we want to make sure and take care of those people that have maybe sat back and always thought, well, why can't I ever get on those shows?
0: Well, we'll do our best to take care of them. If you call us up, like we've got some stuff already
1: booked Sunday morning. Yeah. What time is Hunter Weber, by the way, I need to put that on the schedule.
0: Uh, he's still working on, on what he's got because he's got some obligations and stuff. He's got his car in the auto show. Yeah. So he's got some obligations with being at his car. I think, you know, a sponsor stop and buy type deal here and there. Yep. So, um, okay, you so know, that he time's knows pending. They, yeah, that time's pending, but, uh, we've got that 10 o'clock hour pretty well filled up on Sunday morning already, at least a half hour of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh. You know, so if you call it, if you contact Dan and say, I can only do it at 10 o'clock Sunday, you know, well, sorry, but that's already filled up. It's a first come first serve deal. Right. You know, if you're the first one that wants that time slot, you know, it's pretty good chance you're going to get it, you know, and we'll do our best to to get people, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But as long as you've got some flexibility. you we'll know, We'll make it work. We'll still try to.
1: All right, and if, reach,
0: and if it's something we can't get for the auto show, we'll try and work them into a Zoom call.
1: Reach out to us on Front Stretch Facebook page. You can email us, frontstretchradio at gmail.com. Uh, we'll get you signed up. The, the best we can do, we'll work with you as best we can to, to get you guys on the show, because we definitely want to get as many people on and do interviews, because it, it just works out great for the show. All right, radio at gmail.com. We're going to take a quick break. Just around the corner, Jackson Sadoff, driver of the 96J modified throughout the area is going to talk to us uh, great interview i think we, we talked to him a little bit earlier in the night and I, I think he did a fantastic job yep you're going to hear that coming up thanks everybody for hanging in there we'll be back at turn number two on the front stretch presented by joe's carding and council bluffs Hey guys, Dan Taylor with Tailored Computers and Repair. This time I'm talking laptop screen replacement. We've all made the mistake of dropping our laptop. Maybe one of our animals stepped on it. Maybe we set something heavy on top of it and we just didn't realize it was too heavy. And You go to turn that laptop screen on, there's a giant crack across it. That doesn't mean your laptop is completely worthless. In just a couple of days of turnaround, I can easily get your laptop screen replaced and usually it's for a pretty reasonable price. Don't think your laptop is completely wasted just because you have a broken screen on it give me a call today 402-659-5641 or shoot me an email tailoredcomputersandrepair at gmail.com i'd be glad to give you an estimate on how much it's going to cost to replace your laptop screen
0: we're hooked up in turn two and still showing the green flag on the front
2: stretch
1: Welcome back to the front stretch. Rolling into turn number two, and it's time for another interview presented by Taylor Computers and Repair. Laptop battery replacements. Remember back in the day when it used to be nice and easy to just unplug the battery, order a new one and plug a new one in? Well, much like your cell phones, those are gone the way of the Dodo Bird. If you need your laptop battery replaced, give me a call today, 402-659-5641. There's no sense. You got to keep your battery straight, uh, connected to the wall into the charger. Make sure your battery is Running at uh, peak performance should be lasting about an hour and a half to two hours at minimum. And if it's not, once again, give me a call today, 402-659-5641. Joining us on the show tonight, a, I believe, two-time winner at Eagle Raceway in 2021. Driver of the 96J modified throughout the area, Jackson, sat off joining us. Did I get those numbers right or did I short you one?
2: Uh, shorted me one. I actually God. got three
1: this summer. I knew I'd do that. I do that every time. I don't look up my research ahead of time. I'm too busy watching the NASCAR race at Las Vegas to get ready for that. And I forgot to look up how many uh, wins you got this year in 2021. But uh, let's walk through those. Yeah. I know one of them was uh, came down to you and your dad going at it pretty good. Oh, yeah. Let's
2: see. I think the first one, I want to say dad blew up. Dad usually runs an Oat motor. I think I want to say he blew up in the heat race, and uh, so he threw a crate motor in for a spare, and then he hates crate motors because they ain't got no power. <laughs> started front row, or no, I want to say he started probably third, fourth row, maybe. Yeah. I started behind him, and he said it was like he felt like he wasn't going nowhere, and then all of a sudden he was to the front, but he felt like he wasn't going nowhere. Yeah. And He's like, man, I'm going to go out here and win this thing. First time in a creative eagle, and uh, then he said about five blades for five huts later, I come rolling by him on the bottom. And uh, I want to say that was my first one. And then, if that the was other your first two, one, then
1: it was back on May 29th.
2: May 29th, let's see.
1: So that looks like the yep, first my, win of 2021 at Eagle.
2: Yep, yep, that would be right. Because then the other two were the last month. Because yep. I wanna say the last four nights at Eagle, it was between me and my dad that won. Yeah. I won two and he won the other two.
1: August seventh, you got the win. August fourteenth, he got the win. August twenty first, you got the win. August twenty eighth, he got the win.
2: You see it pays to do the research because I don't even know this.
1: <laughs> I finally got it pulled up. So there you go. Uh three wins oh, on sorry, the thanks. year at Eagle. It's gotta feel da- good. Is that the first time you beat your dad in wins at Eagle?
2: Oh, I you know, I might be – that might be right. I, I think, think it might so. be.
1: Because, you know, he's he's been still knocking off wins despite how old he is.
2: Uh, yep, yep. Every once in a while he gets <laughs> one. I don't mean to dog on him like that, but I'm just saying. No, it's okay. It's okay. We welcome it on this
1: show.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be dogging on him tonight when you see him like, Hey, Dad, did you know I beat you in wins at Eagle last year? <laughs>
2: Hey, I, I gotta be careful that I still live in his household.
1: Yeah, and you gotta be careful because I, I, he probably helps you a lot with that car. You know, he
2: kind of did in the beginning, and then he, I think he kind of learned that we butt heads a lot working oh, really? together. So I think he kind of got me started out on like a base setup. And don't get me wrong, he has given me a lot of ideas because mm-hmm. he he's a he knows the most about race cars of anyone that I know. But uh, yeah, here the last few years it's just been kind of. I kind of do my own thing. He does his own thing, so we don't really we you don't know, talk too much about setup because he's learned that we do butt heads.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of an interesting dynamic to me when it comes to the sport because I first learned it with Andrew being on the front stretch and you know he's talking about his dad and obviously he's got a, a pretty famous dad, much like you, with the uh, the success that that Joe Koziski had over the years in, in racing and and so on and and you know, it, it brings up that interesting dynamic that y- you can have a world-class father for a racer, uh world-class ra- racer for a father. And, and yet what worked for him doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you.
2: Yep. That is very true. I mean, we've kind of come across that a lot, a lot, or at least I have, I don't know about yep. him, but uh yeah, a lot of ideas that he kind of had back or a lot of stuff he had going on back in the nineties and the like early mid 2000s a lot of different tricks and ideas he's kind of trying to bring them back and it's you know I don't know if it's really true or not but like some ideas come and go mm-hmm. someone's like worked for a little bit but they go quick but I mean I don't know you think it's kind of all the same because all it is is four tires and a big piece of metal sitting on top of them <laughs> So you yeah, think's it's just a bunch of weight transfer. Right. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I know what you mean though. Well, I tell you what, and we'll I'll, ask you in I'll 50 bet. years and see what you say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: I'll bet
0: the setups are pretty close.
2: Oh, I mean, he, I want to say he's kind of more of a standard setup for the most part. And then I'm the one that kind of, Every once in a while, I'll go out and try something that I heard from somewhere, or something that's kind of to him would be to the extreme. And he does. He sometimes he frowns upon it. Sometimes he just doesn't even pay attention to it. But yeah, I would I bet, say I bet he pays attention the when he sees you in victory lane. Oh yeah, he probably does. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I know that uh, I think we raced in Salina, Kansas, and I had made adjustment to my right rear and. He was like looking at me, like, "What in the world are you doing there and uh he just he let me do it, I went out, and I ended up i think i i wanna say I passed him or I just drove away from him, yeah, but yeah, then that next night we raced there, and he had that same adjustment that I had done that he kind of frowned on me for yeah,
0: well, at least he's not you know at least he's not stupid, he knew it worked, so he used it, you know, yeah. But did he come over and say thank you and hand you a hundy or anything? If you <laughs> knew my
2: dad, you would know the answer to that.
1: Oh, I knew the answer before I asked. <laughs> Just hoping, I guess, right, Dirk? Yeah, you know, you know. It's uh,
0: he's been around a long time. I mean, he's he's probably seen and tried about everything. He might have tried the exact same thing twenty years ago and couldn't get around the corner with it. But
2: yeah,
0: you know, times have changed and. This time it worked.
1: Cars have changed just a little bit.
2: A lot of bit. Probably a little bit. Yeah. Are you
1: helping out? I'm sorry. I don't know the answer to this. So uh, those that that do know it, uh, take it easy on me a little bit. But do do you work help out at the at the jet racing much? Uh,
2: Not much. I worked for dad out at jet. uh, when I was like 14, I worked for him for about half a summer. Then I kind of realized it's hard to work for family. Yeah. So then I went out, kind of found my own job, but, uh, here recently I've been going out on Saturdays and kind of helping them out getting back a part of it. But, uh, I, I do wish that I kind of had been out there. I mean, ever since I was 14, but I don't know, I would like to, uh, have a business kind of still being in the race world, which I do still plan someday to, uh, take over jet and kind of help my dad out with it. But, uh, yeah, for now, I'm, I am I kind of stay out of it. I show up every once in a while, but not I'm not too involved with it.
1: So are you guys kind of like the Tuttles when it comes to, to running a business together?
2: Now you're going to have to explain to me what the Tuttles yeah, is. Yeah, I I'm just not, realized like, that <laughs> as I <laughs> said that, is.
1: Dirk, I may be dating myself. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> the guys from Orange County Chopper,
0: Paul Tuttle and Paul Jr. and Sr., they build those real nice choppers, and they're always arguing with each other. Button heads, as you like to say.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: If if you want to watch a father-son dynamic just completely spiral apart on national television, just just Google Paul Tuttle Sr. and Paul Tuttle Jr. fights. And <clears throat> that was some good TV for quite a few years there. If you like the drama stuff, but um so if if not the and not saying you're not gonna do it, you obviously said you'd like to take over jet racing, but is is there another Aspect of racing that kind of intrigues you maybe a little bit more than the the chassis side of it.
2: Oh, you know, I've kind of thought about that myself. Like my dad does do setup every once in a while. He has his customers that call, and I've never really been interested in that. I mean, if I got into it, I would want to stay just building cars and selling parts. I really wouldn't want to be part of the giving out scale numbers and load numbers and that. Which, I don't know, that's kind of, to me, it seems like it would kind of ruin it for ruining the fun in racing, mm-hmm. turning it into a business. And going out, and to be successful doing that, you'd have to go out and figure out those numbers yourself on your own car, and then turn around and give them to other people. And I just wouldn't find really any fun in that. I would kind of well. like it, I mean, when I go out and race, I just... Mind my own business, do my own stuff, and I don't have to really deal with anyone else.
0: Yeah, but if if you're sitting there building cars and you sell 10 cars and none of them reach the winner circle, you're not going to sell 10 cars the next year.
2: Yeah, yeah, that is very true.
0: You've got to give them what you know if it's going to help them. Now, if, if it does go out and it still doesn't help them, but you still get two of the guys in the winner circle, you're going to sell cars the next year. But you go a couple of years and none of your cars are winning. You're not going to sell cars. So you, yeah, you got to help them. True. Got to help them.
1: And I love yeah. that that other dynamic of it, too. You know, I, I call it the, the Jack Dover, Cody Ledger dynamic, That and that's just what I call it. It's It's been happening for generations. Of Jack Dover helped Cody Ledger out for a long time. As soon as Cody beat him, Jack slowed down how much he was helping out Cody Ledger because he, <laughs> he came on the show and said, I taught him too much and now he's able to beat me. So I got to scale it back and I got to, you know, kind of be a little bit more nitpicky with what information I tell him. Cause I, I can't give him so much information. He can go out there and beat me.
2: Well, you know, I yeah. could probably see that with between me and my dad. Yeah. Well, and I that can, very well could have, it have been, you know, I remember when Jack talked
0: about that on the show and I told him back when I was working the truck series and, you know, we had a guy by the name of De- Dennis Setzer had a ton of experience was fast everywhere. He was fast at Martinsville. He was fast at Kansas, wherever he went, he was fast, uh, perennial top three guy in the truck series. And, uh, I asked him about that once, you know, how much information you give these guys? He goes, I give them everything I know. He goes, I got to go around them. I'm passing these guys. I don't want them crashing me. I tell them everything <laughs> I can to help. Them. You know, he goes, I don't need them running into me. You know, I'm not going to give them a ba- bad advice and, you know, have it hurt, come
1: back and bite me so yeah you know it's kind yeah,
2: of a 2 kind of kind of have a baseline setup that would be so, good to have
1: talking yeah. to jackson sat off driver of the 96 j modified is modified where it's at for you or, or would you consider jumping into a sprint car maybe a late model something different
2: uh, i think as of now staying in a uh, modified i uh kind of hitting around on the chance of getting in a late model maybe sometime this summer, maybe next summer. Um, I mean, as some people do know, I have last two years, I've gone down to the, uh, oh, whatever it's called, um, speed, speed weeks. Weeks down in Florida. Yep. Uh, gone down there the last two years. Uh, first year, I helped Ricky Thornton, and then the second year, I went down with Talon Center. He was helping uh, Blair Nordorf out of South Dakota. But being around them modified guys and just working on late or excuse me being around late model guys and working with late models you do kind of realize that late models are quite a bit cooler than modifieds even i mean i guess that's where they get a little more expensive at but i uh i mean i would jump all over the chance to get a late model ride and just get the experience it's kind of like my dad he always says back in the day when he raced a light model Going from a modified to a late model, it was like crazy speed difference. But then after you race the late model for a few months, you jump back into modified. It's like you're just cruising by them guys wondering why they're all going so slow. Because it's like everything's slow motion to you. So I think it would really benefit me to uh, get into something a little faster. And even going down to a stock car or something, a lot of modified guys are doing it. And I think, I mean, that is a big bonus to just getting that much more track time and getting used to how different cars drive
0: along with going to speed weeks. You spent some time, um, at some of the races out West, either Arizona or, or Vegas or something, haven't you the last couple of years a little bit?
2: Uh, yep. Two years ago, uh, when Ricky raced, uh, down at Arizona, which would have been the wild west shootout before speed weeks, uh, went down there to help him and, the. Uh, Let's see. I want to say it was two years, or it would have been three years ago, I helped Chris Simpson down there. That would have been my first race, or first time going down there to help anyone. But So I've seen that track a handful of times, and just kind of some, that's pretty much the only racetrack I've been to out west, other than Vegas. But, yeah, Vegas was all the duel in the desert, IMCA stuff. Yeah. Yeah
0: yeah the, the... stuff but not big money stuff what's that good money stuff but not big money stuff
2: yeah yeah late models i think was all big money stuff but not oh, so yeah. much modified
0: yeah that uh wild west shootouts got some cash involved in it
1: that
2: uh stock yep. car
1: deal it, it like you kind of touched on there it, there's a lot of drivers modifieds sport mods late model drivers that are you know, grabbing a stock car and just having a little bit
2: of fun, it, and that's something that kind of intrigues you too. Oh, I what I mean, I wouldn't say it intrigues me. I know my boss is probably the person that wants me to get in one the most. I mean, I have raced one. Uh, Benji Leg, that helps uh, our race cars, he races one, and I hot lapped it at Boone last year, and. I would have liked to run one, but at the same time, I'm kind of more on the side of sticking in my modified and getting used to it still. Because I mean, I have raced for what? what this? I think this is going on my seventh year of racing. Jesus. But uh, I think, mean, yeah, it probably would be. That's uh, six <laughs> years, maybe. I don't know. Don't ask uh, me. I didn't know how many wins you had until I finally looked it up. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't either until you told me. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, for as long as I, I mean, I have been racing for a long, long time, but for as long as I have been racing, I mean, it still, it does pay to have that time in a race car. But in my eyes, I kind of see it as staying in the modified and just hitting different tracks, not switching up on cars would help. But then I also see the side of running two different kinds of cars where it would help kind of getting different experiences.
1: How many nights a week are you, are you racing right now, and, and where do you want to be?
2: Uh, right now, we're only racing two nights a week. Just Beatrice on Friday, Eagle on Saturday, and then we'll hit, like, the specials that I-80's got, and we'll probably go to Boone. But then, I mean, I'll do a few traveling or a little bit of traveling this summer. Like I'll probably do the North Dakota tour again and just kind of play it by ear, see what comes along. But if if fuel prices weren't like five bucks a gallon, yeah, I would love to be traveling a lot, like all the time. But that also takes, you got to have your car set up good and running really consistent before you really need to be traveling. Because you are spending a lot of money, but yet it is experience. And that is also where me and my dad kind of butt heads, but I can see both sides of it.
0: Yeah. Well, if you think $5 a gallon is going to be around in July and August, you're sorely mistaken because it's probably going to be seven or eight bucks a gallon by the middle of
2: the summer. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, And you kind of wonder what that's going to do to the, how many people are going to be showing up at racetracks. There ain't going to be near as many people that are going to want to be traveling with, prices like that but especially the people that kind of run paycheck to paycheck for a race or just so they can go racing but well my my
1: unpopular opinion on that whole deal is that drivers will pay whatever it takes to drive and they're going to bitch about the gas they're going to bitch about the gas prices at 369 as much as they're going to bitch about it at seven bucks as much as they're going to bitch about it a dollar 89 they're always going to bitch and that's just the way I, I am. Mean, that's been my experience, but uh, it, it certainly sucks. And it, and it hurts the budget, and, but drivers will always find a way to get out there. I think to your point, well, you know, we're going to lose a couple, but not nearly enough that it's going to really, really hurt the sport.
0: Yeah. What's right. going to hurt the sport, though, is the fans that aren't going to be able to go. You know, you're talking about, you know, you got a family of four and the way food and everything else is going up. It's not just the gas.
1: No. Yeah. It's yeah. but it, you know, gas was high. Two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, it's always high, no matter what. And fans still show up. But it, well,
0: We didn't have 7% plus inflation five years ago, so it's going to hurt. No ifs, ands, or buts. I hope it doesn't, but it's going to.
1: Well, know, I don't know. We'll but anyways, let's get back to talking with Jackson Sadoff, driver of the 96J. Uh, yeah, so we talked about you want to kind of get a couple of more nights under your belt and, um, and maybe uh, a try maybe a different class or two here and there. Um, big specials you're looking at hitting for your 2022 race season
2: mainly just i know for sure boone and maybe maybe vegas as we usually do I think i'll plan on doing the north Dakota tour uh, i know silver dollar i'll show up there and that's off the top of my head that's about i guess i will be doing the dirt crown race yeah we'll be participating in that but other than that, just kind of play it by ear. I might try travel to uh, Iowa and do some races, kind of run with the big dogs, mm-hmm. ones that race five nights a week during the summer.
1: <laughs> uh, any uh, any thoughts on maybe going USMTS one of these years?
2: See, I did that t- well, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Two? I don't want to say it was three. Yeah, it was definitely two years ago. Ran and did... Uh, First one was a USRA show at Webster City, Iowa, and showed up. uh, Mike Yoki was there helping Adam Cates, and parked beside them. He hooked me up with the tires. He gave me some shocks to run and uh, had the big motor and the big old spoiler. First time out there, uh, I I struggled in the heat race and uh, started probably mid-pack of the B feature. I drove up, won the B feature, started in the back of the A feature, and i want to say i got up to like ninth or tenth i want to say mm-hmm. and about halfway through the race it did rubber down but uh i uh did that i went up raced at uh, fountain city wisconsin i went down and raced lucas oil speedway 81 speedway and humboldt uh but i mean usmts is definitely cooler that's just because you're going faster but mm-hmm. That is kind of the same deal with money. Yeah. Money is, it does kind of make a difference, but.
1: Cubic dollar.
2: Between, what's that?
0: The
1: cubic dollar.
2: Yep. That is very true. Yeah,
1: and and it can get to be a bit of a grueling grind, something that, I know Mike Densberger talked about, he said it just sucked being gone so much. You know, you really got to have that job that'll allow you to get off, take the day off, you know, throughout the week and, and be able to, you know, travel to a racetrack, the cost of getting there. If it's going to rain, is, is it going to rain out? Is it going to race? Is, you know, something weird going to happen on the way there? You know, there was just so many things that kind of just made it exponentially tougher to do those big touring series like the USMTS.
2: Yep, and that's exactly why the people that do it year after year are the ones that have good businesses behind them, supporting them, and if fuel prices do get up to it, eight, nine bucks a gallon, they're going to be the strong ones still in it. And they're the ones that they blow a $30,000 motor one night, they can easily pull out the $30,000 motor and replace it. Yeah, And that's, I mean, that does play a big role. And I do see a lot of people, a lot of IMCA guys are running USMTS this year. They're going to try to run some shows because I heard the 100,000 to win the points wow championship yeah so uh yeah i mean it'd be interesting to see how many stick with it and how many kind of wiggle out of it with Mm -hmm. once they realize how much money they're spending and racing ain't no hobby that you're going to make money out of unless you're really good well jackson we've reached that time
1: of the interview where it's probably the toughest question we ask all interview long
2: oh boy What
1: what are some of those great sponsors that help you get up and down the road
2: I always, first and foremost, always got to thank my dad because I would be, I'd have none of this. If it wasn't for him. Got to thank Jet Racing, uh, Speedway Motors, Kyle Van over at Speedway doing my shocks. Ah, we don't gotta
1: have to think. thank him.
2: Oh, we don't. <laughs> I think I better thank him. All right, right, you listen? better. I,
1: we'll see if we'll see if I let it happen.
2: <laughs> All right, Kyle and I well, got a little got... bit of a rivalry going on. Oh, really? You didn't see his school bus? You know <laughs> what? I did. <laughs> I did see that school bus because I was in that race. Now it makes sense. Okay. <laughs> well, yep.
1: since you were in the race, you may not have seen what it said on top.
2: <clears throat> well, I, one, I know one of them said you, or Dan Taylor squats to pee. Yeah, that was Kyle's bus. <laughs> okay. Yep, yep, I remember seeing that. Yeah, hey, just that, be, uh, be so- happy I'm not someone to paint that on the side of my bus. <laughs> It was that Dan was clever. Yeah, well,
1: Jordan Grabowski put him up to it. He said, he, he told Kyle, you put Dan taylor squats to pee, and I'll put Roger hayden squats to pee. And then <laughs> Jordan, <laughs> Jordan pussed out. <laughs> oh. So he didn't oh, put it on his
2: bus. <laughs> Oh, boy. Anyways. Yeah, if he would have, Roger probably would have kicked him out. <laughs> so he, he goes, I'm kind of still in the points championship, so I got to be nice to the guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, then one of them bus races, uh, Jordan was the one that I guess we were going three wide. It was Jordan on the bottom, Jeff Ware in the middle, and me on the outside after two of Roger yelling me at the race receiver not to go at the top. And right. my race receiver wasn't working, so you know where I was, at the top. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when we... Went into one, we all kind of hit and they shuffled me up the track, and there was Vanover sitting at a dead stop coming out of two.
1: Yep. And- I <laughs> I was I was listening to the race scene for the whole time and and Roger, I remember Roger saying, Guys, go out there and have fun, but please don't destroy my buses.
2: <laughs> when, yep, yep. When, Cause it was it I, was Jordan that remember. put
1: Kyle into turn two, into that turn two wall. Jordan's the one that shoved him up there. So he did the whole deal, huh? He, he wrecked everybody that night.
2: I'm going to have to remember that if I get mm-hmm. joined into a bus race this summer.
1: <laughs> that was a fun night, though. God, that was a lot. Yes, of fun it was. Watch.
2: That was I was I'm very thankful for getting to get or getting to get uh put in both them. And by races. the way, I've,
1: that I've got really that fun. video uh on the Eagle Raceway page. I might have to share that on the front stretch so fans could go back and watch that. But it's about 10 minutes of pure joy.
2: Is it the whole race? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely going to have to go watch it. <laughs> all
1: right. Who's some of the other sponsors?
2: Oh, uh, I, I got to thank Line Rubber, Dirtworks, uh on Sons, Dirtworks. I got to thank Capital Signs. And then I also want to thank uh, Talon Center for kind of giving me the chance to roll with them through all the late model races and learn a lot of the things that I've picked up along the way. Fantastic.
1: Uh, Jackson Sadoff driver the 96J. What's the first race for you, Beatrice, if... Uh... Looks like it's going to be beautiful weather next week.
2: That's I've kind of heard both. I've heard it's going to be real nice, but then I've heard it's supposed to be raining. All right, let's weekend.
1: see. Uh, Friday and Saturday. I uh, see 24. This is for council bluff. So I guess I should pull up Beatrice's weather, but won't be much different. Uh, 60 for a high 37 for a low 24% chance of rain. And then on Saturday, 63 for a high 39 for a low. So it's going to be manageable in the day and then a little chilly at night, but raceable weather.
2: Yep. And actually tonight we're supposed to get anywhere from like two to five inches of snow. I think it was.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think uh, that's it, it, the, the more I kind of refresh this, it looks like most of that's going South.
2: Yep. Yep. yep it is. Cause yeah, we I'm originally it. started. They're talking about it. Yeah. Well, yeah it, we started out, we were only supposed to get an inch or two and then they moved it further South and. I think now we're up to the four and five inches. Oh, wow. but yeah. And that will play a big role because we get a bunch of snow. It's supposed to be like 60 degrees on Sunday. I think 70 yeah. degrees. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be 74 on Wednesday yeah. and all that snow starts melting. it's gonna it'll be pretty muddy tracking through the pits.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's able, they're able to get everything ready to go. Cause that, that, if that's the, if the forecast is true, and we stay in the 60s for a high. Uh, unfortunately, partly cloudy is not going not gonna to dry the track out very much, but uh, that should give some good conditions. So
2: are you looking at Beatrice for your first uh, first race? Yes, I am. Be, uh, Beatrice for spring nationals and then the dirt crown.
1: All right, fantastic. Jackson Saddle, drive the 96J. Man, it's been great talking to you. Good interview. We appreciate you taking the time.
2: I appreciate you guys having me.
1: All right, man. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you next week at Beatrice. I think I'm going to be over there on Saturday if the races are happening.
2: Perfect. Sounds good. We'll see you then. All right, man. All right. Have thanks. A good, thank you. All right. yep. Yeah, you guys take care.
1: Yeah, that was Jackson Saddle, driver of the 96 J. Good interview. I'm very impressed. He's one of the first young, you know, interviews What? he's 19, 20. I think he's 20, maybe, maybe 21 but uh, Uh, I don't, I don't remember
0: seeing a, a beer post from his dad yet.
1: Yeah. I don't think he's
0: 21 yet.
1: Let's assume he's 20, but that's probably one of the best 20 year old interviews we've done in a while.
0: He's watched his dad do them for a long time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're going to wrap it up for today's show. Big thanks everybody for listening. Make sure to like up and share the front stretch podcast uh, available on Spotify. iHeart itunes and so much more uh, and uh, make sure to like up the front stretch facebook page those post-race interviews are going to be kicking off here shortly as race season is just around the corner and we'll be doing more breaking news and information on our facebook page make sure to like it up and give it a share thanks everybody for joining us and uh we'll talk to you guys next week thanks everybody have a great weekend
0: The official watering hole of the front stretch has you covered any day of the week with the best wings, great burgers, and amazing steaks. Each weekday from four to six is happy hour, featuring dollar off draft and well drinks plus four dollar luberitas. Mondays are kids' night. Tuesdays are all-you-can-eat wings for $12.95. And the lube even delivers to the Council Bluffs area. Like Quaker Steak and Lube Council Bluffs on Facebook for a full list of weekly events. Get too
1: quick to steak and lube.
0: Mid-America Drive, Council Bluffs.